Let's start out with uh, Romans uh, chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, and uh, I'm going to get down to verse 17, uh, but I'm going to start with uh, verse 12, uh, verse 12, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word gives us light, uh, brings understanding, that you lead us and guide us, that, Father, we, even through your word, know which way to go and what to do because your word is a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. So, Father, we, we approach your word in honor and in reverence and in awe. And, Father, we thank you that you have given us your word. We thank you for your spirit who makes it real to us and moves among us and reveals those things to us. Say what you want to say and do what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 12, wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death passed unto all men, for that all had sinned. For until the law was in the world, uh, excuse, excuse me, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them which had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, in other words, like Adam did, who is a figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of the one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so also, so also is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by the one, much more they which have received the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by the one, Jesus Christ. What does reigning in life mean? What does it mean to reign in life? Well, think of a, think of a, you know, think a natural way. Think of like a, a king or, or a queen, someone that's in charge of a kingdom. They are reigning in the kingdom. In other words, uh, what they say goes. What they say is what happens. And the reality is, if we are reigning in life, then sickness is not reigning in life. And if we are reigning in life, then the devil is not reigning in our life. And if we are reigning in life, then poverty is not reigning in our life. So it's a significant um, truth from the word of God. They which have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by the one, Jesus Christ. Now, what is grace? You can shout it out. Everybody's afraid? All right, because why? Why is everybody afraid? It's so big. Is there one word that's adequate to describe grace? Is grace one thing? I mean, I think one of the best descriptions I've heard of grace, and I've heard it since I was a young, young man, and that is, it is God's unmerited favor. 
God's unmerited favor. Well, what does that mean? Well, if I went and um, washed your car, maybe, maybe I heard like you're going to take a bunch of people out to lunch, but I was not invited. And so I find your car and I, I'm like, hey, I washed your car. You know, I'm trying to get you to take me out to lunch, right? By something that I earned, right? I'm trying to earn your favor. I'm trying to earn a place with you. And so grace is unmerited favor with God. In other words, it's favor with God that you didn't do anything to make it happen. Actually, you did stuff that according to how man favors you would cause you to be cast out or to be pushed away. Because the grace of God is seen in Romans chapter 3. While we were sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for you, and he died for me. His blood was shed when we were not lovable. But see, that's how a human thinks, right? So we think, like, well, uh, if you do something for me, then I'm going to love you. Or if they did something, then, then, uh, then um, I'm going to love them, according to man's standard. So in other words... Our, our um, cultural way of thinking is uh, effort is rewarded. Diligence is rewarded. Uh, th- those are true. Those actually, you know, you, you see, if you're, if you're not diligent in your job, uh, your reward may be a firing. <laughs> or your reward may be everybody else gets promoted, but you don't get promoted. And so even through uh, culture and, and our interactions in life and, you know, um, how we act is ba- what we experience in life is based on how we act. So this, the grace of God, actually it, it just comes into existence, into the reality of our life and blows all of that away. And God said, you know what, I'm not going to deal with you. Actually, let's turn over to Psalm 103. I'm not going to deal with you according to what uh, you have done. Uh, but I'm going to deal with you according to a man's actions. And that man, of course, is Jesus Christ. Let's read um, Psalm 103, uh, verse 10. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us According to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are but dust. And then do you remember Isaiah 43, 25? I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions, and I will not remember your sins anymore for my own sake. And so God is the God that knowing full well everything about us and everything that we have done has chosen not to deal with us according to our doings. But he has chosen to deal with us according to the doings of one man, the second Adam. And that man's name is Jesus Christ. See, uh, we just read in Romans, one man got us into the mess where sin passed down from generation to generation, person to person. Sin, 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 sin. 
and with it, a consciousness of sin, with it, a, a knowing like I, I can't measure up, I, I don't make the mark, and uh, I'm not doing good enough, and, and uh, poor me, and, and, and how can I do this, and every, other people are, are, are able, but I'm not able, um, you know, weakness and fear of being rejected and fear of, of, of God himself because of an intimate knowledge of our weakness and of our failings and of our inabilities. You know, that one, one person said infirmity is um, your inability to produce results. Like, so people, you, you see like, well, you know, like, I'm no match for this. Uh, I'm no match for this situation. Well, uh, without Jesus, you're probably not a match for that situation. But with Jesus, that situation has already been conquered and taken to hell and defeated in hell itself by the precious blood of Jesus so that you don't have to live life based on your weakness or your failings or your inabilities. But what happens is we get drawn by our flesh to live our life based on what we can produce and based on what we can do. All right. Now, hallelujah. I'm going to turn, let's, let's go over to uh, Hebrews. Oh, look at the time. Praise the Lord. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I don't want to lose that. All right, Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to probably read the whole chapter of Hebrews chapter 4. And um, this is where it, it takes a little bit of a different turn, but man, it's a good turn. Praise the Lord. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So in other words, the word can be preached to you, and if it's not mixed with faith, it's not going to profit you. It's not mixed with what is faith. Well, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And faith is believing God in your current situation more than you believe the circumstances or the feelings of your current situation. So that you are actually surrendering to God, yielding to God, and turning away from other things. Other knowledge, Google, Facebook, friends, relatives, well-meaning Christians, evil-meaning Non-Christians, evil-meaning Christians. <laughs> but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. It's important that when you hear the word, you hear it in your spirit, not just your head. It has to go through your head, has to go through your brain, and, but it has to get into your spirit. Because uh, faith is not of the head, faith is of the heart. Man is a spirit, and they that worship him or God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so if you're going to worship God, it's going to be in spirit, because God is a spirit. God's not a mind. So God's not going to talk to your mind, and he's not going to talk to your body. He's going to talk to your spirit. Uh, Proverbs twenty twenty seven: the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. 
searching all the inward parts of the belly. I love that. That reminds me of Hebrews uh, chapter 4, if we go on just a little further, that the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. What? goes all the way discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. In other words, God deals with you in your innermost parts. And if something happens in your innermost being, something in the innermost being, if you're affected in your innermost being, then your actions just spring forth from that place. So what are we doing? We're talking about the grace of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God poured out for us. You could say Jesus Christ himself is the grace of God. Jesus is God's grace because Jesus, it is his blood that has set us free. It is his life that has given us vigor and vitality and hope and light. And it is his word that sets us free. You understand, Jesus is the grace of God. Jesus is a manifestation. If you, could, if you could put the grace of God in flesh, it'd look just like Jesus. Jesus is the grace of God. And Jesus was raised from the dead by the spirit of the living God or by the glory of the Father. So you could almost say grace and glory. Grace and glory. And so Jesus, Jesus will deal with you, God will deal with you in your innermost being and personality. And he does that. He'll speak to you there and he'll deal with you there through his word. So we want to become aware and sensitive and, and, and yielded and surrendered to him that is on the inside. The greater one actually lives on the inside of us. You know, in the, in the old covenant, you would have to go to the temple. And then even you couldn't go to the temple. The priest would have to go to the temple for you on your behalf, for your mistakes, and for your failings. And even he would have to go with great fear and great preparation of great detail so that he wasn't snuffed out. Because why? Sin cannot enter into the presence of God. Verse 3, for we which believed do enter into rest. As he said, I swore my wrath, if they, will, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. In other words, he that believes shall, has entered into rest. So this life of faith or this life of trusting in God, where we actually have the grace of God show up in areas of our life and areas of our being and areas of our personality, because you don't have to be stuck with your personality. But your personality can be infused and flooded with God himself. And that actually is the will of God. Um, okay. I'm going to do this. For he spoke in a certain place on the seventh day in this way. And God did rest on the seventh day from his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying, In David today, after so long a time, it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day? In other words, if they would have had rest when Jesus was here in the flesh, Jesus wouldn't have spoken of this other day of rest, right? 
Like in that day, he shall come. It's better for you that I go away. All right. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into rest, he has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Right? So God worked six days, worked six days, entered into rest. And he's saying, uh, we need to enter into rest. Verse 11, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick or alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Just a real quick side note. If you're having trouble knowing, like, what is the will of God or what should I do in this situation, you got to be in the Word of God. It's the one thing that can divide into soul and spirit. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you're kind of like, Lord, what is it? What is it? And you're just sitting there, and you're not even going to the Word to divide that thing. The Word will divide, and you'll say, oh, this is what the Lord says. This is my spirit. Because why? The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. In other words, the Lord's going to talk to you through your spirit primarily. Searching all the inward parts of the belly. Verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, you might think this is funny. Was it last week or the week before? One of these weeks, I woke up. And uh, quite often I'll wake up and there's a scripture on my, I don't know how to describe it any other way, but in my spirit or on my spirit. It's just like there, like it's just like almost tangible. And so I woke up and I said to Melody, I said, uh, I woke up with a scripture, but it's just a portion of a scripture. And it's kind of a strange scripture this morning. And um, it, was, it was that right there. It was, um, with, uh, uh, it was of him with whom we have to do. And I thought, Lord, what in the world of all the, of all the, Scriptures, like portions of Scripture, what is that? And so that's what actually got me to um, go in this direction. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, verse 14, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession or our confession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now, praise the Lord. Pray for me. I might make sure I get this out um, because we only have a couple minutes. And so, you know the Hebrew children, you know, this passage of scripture is talking about entering into the promised land, right? Canaan's land. Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. Who will go? Who will go? Who will go with me? You know, uh, the song. And so we know that 12 spies were sent into Canaan's land. But 10 spies came what? If you read in the Old uh, Covenant, they came with an evil report of unbelief. This is what this passage of Scripture is talking about. And they were not able to enter in because of unbelief. And so they were not able to enter into the rest. Well, Canaan's land is not a type of heaven. Canaan's land is a type of the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the fullness of the Holy Ghost. And so, because why? Well, there's giants in the land. In other words, there's, there's, there are things that you have to dispossess. 
from that land. In other words, that belongs to you, that belongs to me, that belongs to the believer, but there's giants there. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, but there's some giants in that land. And so the, he that believeth has entered into rest. Well, what does that mean? Well, um, how are we going to enter into that land? We're going to enter into that land by entering into the rest of God. What is the rest of God? The rest of God is the works of Jesus. In other words, the works that he has done, the blood that he has shed, actually gives us access into the promised land. And when we get into the promised land, we're in a land flowing with milk and honey. But in this land, uh, Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians, for we judged us, if one died for all, then we're all dead. And he that died for all, verse 15, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, now we know no man after the flesh. Not even yourself, I'm adding that. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we know him this way no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's something about beholding. There's something about seeing with your eyes, your spiritual eyes, the truth and the reality. And the only way you can see that is that God would reveal it. You don't have the ability to see it without him. So it's not a work that you can do. It's not something you can work up. You can in your own strength, in your own power, read and read and read and quote and quote and quote and go over and over and over the word of God. But if the Holy Ghost is not there to make it alive to you, to make it real to you, to shed light, you're not getting anything. And so, if everybody was dead and he took our death, then we which are alive, one place it says, arisen for we should live as those risen from the dead who were dead and are now alive. Well, well, what is he talking about? He's talking about entering into rest, into the rest of God where we cease from our labors and we enter into his labor. So, and what's the last verse there? Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. He's talking about entering in to the very throne room of God himself, not based on what you could come up with or what you could produce, but based on the rest that comes with God himself. And the Holy Ghost is your, lead and, your leader and your guide, and he has come to live on the inside of us. And so if we, if we um, surrender to him, and if we yield to him, he will guide us to victory in every area of the promised land. In other words, this is the promised land. This life of the Spirit. This life where we are not the ones that are producing our access to God. But we are the ones that are living in the rest of the access to God that Jesus has produced. Do you understand? Do you understand? So Jesus is our access. We come by the blood of Jesus, which is his life poured out. And that blood wasn't just poured out um, 2,000 years ago and then it dried up or something. That blood, Hebrews tells us, is ever speaking in the most holy place. 
it's ever speaking over you, you're not guilty. You are able. You are favored. I'm inviting you in. The blood of Jesus is like the biggest invite invitation the world has ever known and the world has ever seen. And it's in pure red. It's in spotless red. The whole sinless, spotless Lamb of God poured out his own blood for us. I don't have time to go into the rest of it. Praise the Lord. Man, there's so much. I'll paraphrase. And so uh, we learn like the, 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 the priest would enter in uh, to the Holy of Holies. When he'd enter into the Holy of Holies, he wouldn't just enter in with his own, uh, with, with blood for the sins of the people, but it was also blood for his own sins. And you realize that Jesus himself, that all of our sins, all of our iniquities were laid on him. It actually says, this, 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 your natural mind cannot grab this, that Jesus became sin. Him that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And once he became sin, he took, this is, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is the word, he took his own blood for our behalf and for his behalf into the holy of holies because he had become sin. And he t obtained an eternal redemption for us. A an everlasting redemption, an everlasting freedom, an everlasting favor an everlasting access so that we wouldn't have to live life thinking, I wish I was more spiritual. I wish I knew God better. I wish he, he, he would hear me when I pray. I, I, you know, I, that we don't have to live life conscious. Actually, Hebrews says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from a guilty conscience. So not only from sin, not only from iniquity, but the consciousness of it. The blood of Jesus removes even the stain that sin had left. So uh, under the new covenant, our sins are forgiven. But it's not that our sins are covered like they were in the old covenant. It's that our sins are cleansed and removed. And your sins are removed as far from you as God has the ability to remove them. And the word of God tells us as far as the east is from the west, I will remember your sins no more. And so, uh, you know, you might think of sins as, well, I did this really bad thing. You know, that's just your, your failures, your mistakes, your inabilities, the, the, the fact that you don't feel um, worthy. You don't feel like you can talk to God and he'll listen to you. You don't feel like you have access that uh, he can hear you and you can hear him. That's just living by feeling. We walk by faith and not by sight. God has given us his word. And his word says, when we come in the name of Jesus, whatever we ask the Father in his name, he will do. Do you know his name represents not only his life but his blood? That when you say the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, it, 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 it stirs up all the remembrances uh, in heaven and on earth 
and under the power of the enemy. It stirs up all the remembrances of the victory of Jesus, of the defeat of the enemy, of the defeat of every disease, of the defeat of every sickness, of the defeat of every mental problem, every chain that broke off. When we say the name of Jesus, we're saying, I'm coming to you, Father, in that name. I'm not coming to you in my name, not the name of Tim. I'm a pastor, not the name of a pastor, Pastor Tim. But I come in the name, which is above every name, in the name of Jesus. Because that name is above all. And contained in that name is all the mercy of God and all the work of God and all of the grace of God. So that when I come, let's just pray right now. Father, we come in that name which is above every name. In the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your mercy. Oh, that your mercies have brought us near. Oh, for the healing mercy. Oh, the redeeming mercy. Oh, the freeing mercy of Jesus. Oh, for your mercies. Oh, that your mercies endure forever. Father, we thank you for the blood. Oh, we come by the blood. Oh, we thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that you've brought us near by the blood. So Father, I pray for each and every person that's here and each and every person that's listening. Father, that you would stir in our hearts the desire to live in your rest. Yielded to your spirit. Allowing you to mold us and shape us and, and cause us to enter into what you've ordained for us to be before the foundation of the earth. Father, that we don't live life in our own strength one second longer, but that we declare with the apostle, my life is hid with Christ in God. Father, that our lives are swallowed up in your victory, that our lives are swallowed up in your freedom that our lives are swallowed up in your life. Father, that we live life in all fullness, supplied by your life and by your nature from within us. Oh, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, his blood was shed for you. What's the condition of your heart? If you were to slip out of your body today and die, where would you be? Where would you go? You can know. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ and you'd like to know him, you can live a life of rightness with God, of favor with God, in the presence of God, not just for a moment, but every day, all the time. If that's you, I, I want to pray for you. Respond to the Spirit of God. Slip up your hand and, and we'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you. We thank you for the freedom that we have found in you. And Father, we thank you for the life that we have found in you. And we thank you for your word. I pray that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing you that the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with your words and unfold light that only you could give, that you reveal to us 
your words and unfold them in our situation today and for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.